0: The ability to be face-to-face with someone and connect with them in a meaningful way is so powerful, particularly when if you consider the standard in the industry overall, you can deliver an impression and an
1: experience above that standard. You're listening to Elevate, the official podcast of Elite Agent for real estate industry sales professionals, property managers, and leaders. With thanks to our partner Connect Now, Elevate brings you the best tools, thinking, and strategies to elevate your results. To get access to all of Elite Agent's premium resources, including a detailed episode guide for this podcast, visit joineliteagent.com. And for more information about how ConnectNow can make moving easier on your clients, visit connectnow.com.au. Here is your host, Samantha McLean.
2: Hey, hey, everyone. It's Sam here. Today on the Elevate podcast, we're going to take a deep dive into the world of real estate marketing and branding with Bressic Whitney COO Will Goss. Bressic Whitney are quite renowned for their innovative marketing approach. Everybody knows them and knows who they are and knows their brand and they compete in the ultra-competitive inner-city suburbs. So I think stand by for some jam-packed learning in this podcast. So, Will, welcome to the show. Thank you, Sam. Pleasure to be here. It's amazing to have you here. And I think, wasn't that recent, but we did a story on you a while back. You'd become, at age 28, bresick Whitney's first Chief Operating Officer, which is an incredible achievement. Can you tell me a little bit about how you got into real estate and how you ended up in such a senior position so quickly?
0: Sure. Well, I started at Bresic Whitney just over nine years ago. So my journey with the business has been a relatively long one. And I think I was very much a behind the scenes person for my first five or six years in the business. And only really recently have I begun, I suppose, telling my story and building a bit of a profile in the industry. But I think, to answer your question directly, I was very lucky to be trusted from a young age, particularly by Shannon Whitney and Ivan Bresic, the previous partner in the business. And they gave me a lot of latitude to think differently, think creatively, and bring the business forward a few steps from where it had been. So I suppose that trust from a young age has, has given me a great platform to build my career. Prior to real estate, I was in the finance industry. So I'm not from a traditional real estate background, but, you know, Shannon and I and very much recognised that as a point of difference in my career journey as well and nurtured that, which I'm very grateful for.
2: Yeah. So I've been into the office in Sydney once or twice and I have to say, like, sometimes when people think about real estate agents, they think there's very little differentiation and it almost, you know, these days I think, there's even less, like you know people trained the same, they look the same, they sound the same, they say the same things. But when you walk into the Bressic Whitney office, you see artwork and amazing architecture and things like that. Is that one of yeah. the key like I really want to delve into the brand here of Bressic Whitney and sure. How deliberate was it to set Bressic Whitney apart in such a stark kind of way?
0: Yeah, it's a really good question, and I think, Probably a way a lot of the industry thinks about brand is, what is my logo and what are my colors? I think the real estate industry traditionally thinks about brand as a logo and as a set of colors. And for us, and certainly the ethos of with me all along has been to think about all the experiential touch points that someone might have with us, whether that's walking into an office, attending an open home or receiving something in their letterbox from Bresig Whitney, all of that is brand. So how do we consider brand holistically and make sure we're very effective at delivering it in a high-quality way through all of the channels we communicate with people? So the office is a great example. I think being in here all the time, we get a bit desensitized to it. But isn't it great that someone can walk in here and have a memorable experience and think to themselves, wow, that was a real estate office and I didn't expect to have that experience.
2: Yeah. What are some of the key branding strategies that you think have been most successful for Brassic Whitney over the years?
0: I mean, I think we're well known for imagery and that has certainly been a mainstay of the brand in the nine or 10 years that I've been part of the business. And our approach to imagery is, is very simple. Rather than a typical real estate approach, which is drop in a highly saturated skyline, brighten up all the rooms and make them look as large as possible. We've taken a very, I suppose, editorial type approach, taken inspiration from the likes of folk living and the local project and tried to capture homes in a more interesting architectural lifestyle type way. So, you know, there's, I suppose, a uniqueness in the way we decide to capture things. But other marketing strategies, much beyond photography, are more about telling the stories of the properties that we're representing and making sure that they're presented in a way that's consistent with who we are as a business.
2: There's one memorable, I think it was an editorial, but it was obviously for a listing that sort of sticks out in my brain. And I think that Bresick Whitney were first to do this. I don't know, it was like a studio apartment and it might have been in Surrey Hills or something like that. And really it was a knockdown (laughs) and it was in terrible condition and normally in real estate your first instinct would be how can we stage this, how can we make it look better to achieve the maximum price, which is the path that everyone goes down. But I think you guys actually highlighted how bad it was. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Absolutely.
0: Yeah, I mean one of our values as a business is honesty and we feel that the way we photograph a property needs to reflect that. And the reality is every property is not perfection. Many properties do have blemishes. They've been lived in. They have a story to tell that's not white walls and stage furniture. So we actually love the opportunity to get a rough diamond, so to speak, and present it in our way without doing anything. Yes, I do think that my predecessors at Bresig Whitney really set that standard and we're well known for that in the industry as well.
2: You've mentioned storytelling a couple of times, which I think is really important in marketing because obviously story is the way that humans connect. They've actually sort of scientifically proven that different things go off in our brains when we're engaged in a story. How do you approach telling the story of every property that you list? How do you go about getting that story from the vendors?
0: Yeah, sure. I think every property doesn't have a story worth publicizing and sharing, right? But most do. And what we're trying to do even before we photograph the property is try to understand a little bit about its history and a little bit about what that owner has experienced with that property. I think the reason for doing that is important because it adds a lot more depth and color to a property and ultimately property buying and therefore property selling is an emotive process. So if we're able to inject story that people can connect with, the sales process becomes very different to what it traditionally would have been. That's one benefit. But the major benefit for us is the ongoing brand activity. So for example, where we're able to tell a story, it's not just pushing out through our social channels, for example, a listing with an address and some photos. Instead, it's saying, here's something interesting about someone in your neighborhood that you might not have known about and you as a non-active, i.e. a passive real estate consumer can engage with that and connect with our brand as a result of that storytelling.
2: Yeah. Given that you guys have such a modern and forward-thinking approach to these type of things, how do you strike a balance between what I'd call digital marketing and the traditional stuff? I heard the other day flyers are still a thing. I mean... I've got a stack of them in my letterbox, but how do do you balance the two things?
0: Yeah, that's interesting. I was having a think about this question and to me, traditional, if we want to call it that, is the basics, which is signboard, some brochures and an ad on a website. I think that basically is traditional marketing. We've never really done print as a business, so that's not been a component of Bressic Whitney for its 20 years. And we've never really prioritized letterbox dropping either. So they're not really factors we have to think about at length, which is a fortunate (laughs) position to be in, I believe. But when you say digital, I see that as different ways of not just promoting property, but building a brand audience outside of realestate.com and and domain.com. So, how do we prioritize that? We basically curate properties and decide which of those are going to have. Broad interest in multiple channels, and then we'll push those out in quite a strategic and considered way, which I can go into in a bit more detail as we move through this.
2: Yeah, I think I'm on your email list as well, and your newsletter is quite different to normal real estate agents. You know, like I do receive a lot of those as well, like just listed, just sold, but your newsletter is quite different. Can you explain a little bit about the thinking behind that?
0: Sure. You know, our database size is quite large. You know, we've got about 250,000 contacts in our network and we question ardently if it's relevant to send a just listed email out to 250,000 people. Now, I would argue that it's not very strongly and very passionately. So we've instead tried to be a little more creative and conscious in what we provide to people. And we have to realize that, a newsletter isn't going to suddenly strike up a bunch of deals for you. But what it is going to do, if you can provide something interesting, and for us that comes through in the form of written and video content, if it can provide something interesting, it does create respect and a relationship with those 250,000 people where they want to stay engaged with you. And when it does come time for them to do something in the real estate space, you're likely to get a call. So I come back to what I said before about you know our passive audience, which is the majority of our audience. How do we stay relevant to them over long periods of time? And content is the way we choose to do that.
2: What's your general approach to creating content? Because a lot of real estate agents would like to think that that was a good way to go, but then there's all sorts of other issues around that, like I don't know what to write, I don't have the time, it's too hard. Do you have any tips or anything like that on how you guys do it?
0: Yeah, I think as a brand, you have to be conscious of who your audience are and what they want to engage with. So for us, we're predominantly in a city audience within 10 kilometres of the Sydney CBD. And we know there's an interest in that audience towards interesting properties, towards the arts and architectural community, towards what's happening in the marketplace. And they're sort of the three pillars to which we dedicate our attention. Now, I think real estate agents have an easier job than they realize because there's an obsession in Australia with property. And if you can present things in a way that's interesting and relevant outside of a just listed email, you will get engagement. And we've really tapped into, I suppose, that obsession of looking inside other people's homes and tried to be a resource that allows people to do that without pushing something in a salesy way to them.
2: Yeah, I'm a big fan of the newsletter actually, funnily enough.
0: <laughs> yeah, thank you.
2: <laughs> no, it's amazing. And so I guess coming to the next question that I have, which is around analytics and data, I mean, obviously we're all swimming in data these days. There's You get data from the portals, you get data from your newsletter, you get data from your own database, I'm sure telling when someone is ready for a call and all that sort of thing. How important is data to you and what are some of the ways in which you would use it to make marketing decisions?
0: You beautifully articulated what I think data does, which is to help you make better decisions. Ultimately, data is not going to do the job for you, but it can direct you to make better decisions. Now, the key data points we're really interested in is how do people behave on our website? Our website attracts about a hundred thousand people a month, which is a large audience. So how do we speak to that audience without having to actually speak to them? I think that's very important for us to always be considering. And then to your point before about EDMs and our email marketing strategy, you've got the passive audience who just want to have a light read of two or three articles or look at two or three really interesting properties on a monthly basis. But then you've got the really active audience. So We have a Friday email that goes out to all the buyers we've met in the past four weeks, and that email is literally targeted to tell them on Friday what they should be inspecting on Saturday. And the engagement and the data we get back from that shows that there are more people browsing our site on a Friday afternoon than they are browsing our properties on and Domain. So how do we keep feeding that and making sure that our strategy, so to speak, as a communications business is really on point and really feeding into the needs of what the consumer wants.
2: The words you just used then were pretty interesting actually that you're thinking you're a communications business that happens to sell real estate. How deeply does that permeate through everyone in the business?
0: Yeah, I mean if you think about the real estate industry, we are a communications industry because we're not selling a product whereby a shipment of products comes in from a manufacturer somewhere, we put it on the shelf, and we sell it. We're actually meeting people, forming relationships, and then selling a service predominantly. So all of that requires skilled execution and communications. That's everything from our dialogue at an open home where we might meet someone right through to what I said before in our EDM strategy, making sure we're continuing to engage that person beyond the point of initial contact. So it's very ingrained in the culture of Resic Whitney and has been you know, for a very long time. I think people that have experienced our business know that even walking in the doors here, there's always a lot of energy, there's a lot of people on the phones, and we're communicating all day, every day, from early in the morning till late in the evening. That's a very concerted effort to make sure that our communications and our culture around communications is very strong. And I see my role in the background, particularly in a marketing capacity, is to basically back up the activity of our agents and make sure they have coverage at scale beyond the 50 or the 100 calls they can achieve in a day.
2: Yeah. Yeah. What are some of the emerging trends in the real estate industry that you're seeing that you think are going to have an impact over the next few years? And I guess I've got to ask the question, have you used ChatGPT yet? And if so, how?
0: Yeah, I think ChatGPT, just to touch on that quickly, is very interesting. And there's obviously a lot of conversation about artificial intelligence and the positives and negatives it's going to have in the years ahead. I think we'd be very naive as an industry not to acknowledge that it will play a significant role in what we do. And I think at the moment, the understanding of that is probably quite simple. Hey, it might write copy on an ad for us, for example. But in my mind, there's no doubt artificial intelligence is going to help us with things like database segmentation, communications, probably automated follow-up and things like that. It's inevitable that it will play a role. But ChatGPT is just one application. I think that's the buzzword at the moment, but it's a universe of interesting things out there that I'd really encourage everyone to do some research on. In terms of trends in the real estate more broadly, I think particularly in the market we've been experiencing where there have been some challenges in the past 12 months, the gap in performance between the really high-performing agents and the perhaps mid tier or lower performing agents has widened. And what I see in high performing agents that I'm surrounded by and we compete with, they're getting more and more effective at execution at scale. And they're able to manage things at a level that probably wasn't even possible five or ten years ago. So I think that's a really interesting trend that the industry should keep aware of and you know the formation of super teams and the way people are working in different formats to what was acceptable a few years ago is, is really interesting to me. And I think we'll see that continue. consolidation amongst the really skilled agents in our industry.
2: Yeah. Well, speaking of storytelling, actually, what's the, the most <laughs> unique marketing tactic you've ever tried and how did it go?
0: I mean, I think experimentation is really important. Like if you want to be creative, you have to experiment and some things are absolutely going to go wrong. You know, we've done some controversial things over the years. A few examples come to mind. one being that we put some you know, swear words through a newsletter, and that very much divided the audience. Some thought it was fantastic because we were really punchy with our point, and obviously there was a portion of people that were very offended by it. So doing things like that, I think, is helpful to test and learn and see what the boundaries and limits are for you. As an individual, but also as a brand. But I think one of the more successful tactics we've had, probably in the last 12 months specifically, is we've engaged a new resource in the business. And that resource is responsible purely for media and editorial management. So for us, we've been very targeted and very focused on making sure that breswick Whitney begins to be more recognised in media and editorial circles. And that role is very much responsible for liaising with journalists, liaising with people like yourself, Samantha, making sure that we're present and relevant in all the circles we need to be in. And really, that's a way for us to, I suppose, generate recognition and visibility of the brand beyond just you know our own four walls. So I think the engagement of that role, which isn't really adopted in the real estate sector, has been a great tactic that we're seeing some success from at the moment.
2: Yeah, actually, well, I've seen Thomas in the AFR and all sorts of places, so obviously that's working. What do you think the ultimate value of having a fair bit of media coverage like that is?
0: Sure. For us, it's been about kind of breaking the mould of what people think we are. I think because breastfeeding Whitney has been so ingrained and entrenched in quite a small geographical area with high amount of market share for a long period of time, you start to almost be pigeonholed into just that sector of the market. I mentioned 10 kilometres before. It's very much our goal to be the leading agency within 10 kilometres of the city. And for us to do that, you know, we feel we needed to speak to a broader audience and things like the AFR as an example are a way for us to start being present for audiences that we're not currently connected with. What that looks like in reality is moving into geographical territory, but also moving up in our average price point as well. We've felt for a long time that brands well aligned to prestige property and we're very active in trying to build an audience amongst that demographic.
2: You mentioned earlier that you had, I don't know, it was 250,000 contacts on your database. But everyone has to start somewhere at zero. I've just started at zero on my own little side hustle newsletter again. Yes. What are some of the things that you would recommend to other agents to build a following in that way?
0: The best way, and we feel so strongly about this, it's not to acquire an audience. It's not to set up a lead capture form. Yes, those things are going to help. But the best way we can do it as agents is out at open homes on a weekend. The ability to be face-to-face with someone and connect with them in a meaningful way is so powerful, particularly when, if you consider the standard in the industry overall, you can deliver an impression and an experience above that standard. Like just walking in, taking a name and number, of course you're not going to build a relationship that way. But if you're asking meaningful questions and genuinely connecting with that person, you'll build a relationship and therefore an audience.
2: Let's talk about social media. It's just one of my love-hate relationships in yes. the industry. How does social media figure in Bressy Whitney's marketing efforts and what platforms do you think are worth it and what are just not
0: worth it? I might start with platforms. We've made some recent decisions there which I shared on my LinkedIn page recently, but we've decided to unpublish our company Facebook page. That was a decision that was really driven by the fact that over the years, engagement on Facebook has declined. And I must say as well, the audience we were attracting wasn't the right audience. So we're very focused at the moment on Instagram and LinkedIn, but I think every business has to acknowledge that in two or three years time, that could be completely different again. So there needs to be some adaptability and acceptance that social will keep changing. For Instagram, for us, it's about what I mentioned before, which is letting people behind the doors of of really special homes. So it's not a platform to promote agents or a platform to promote listings per se for us. It's a way to show people behind doors and in really interesting properties, which the engagement rate is very high for because... As I said before, there's this inherent obsession in our society about property and we're trying to feed that through Instagram. LinkedIn for us is a way to build our brand in a recruitment capacity and industry awareness capacity. So a lot of the content there is focused to what we're doing internally, how we're developing and training our staff, who we're welcoming into the business, obviously job advertising and various other things. And that as its own channel is is a valuable one for us. But I think my point across both of those things would be your strategies are going to be different on separate social media platforms because they're different audiences with a different purpose. And I think the copy-paste approach across three or four social media sites is probably not the right one moving forward.
2: Yeah, I was actually going to ask you that because you do see that a lot there'll be this relief. I've created this one piece of content and then it'll just go out to LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. But what you're saying is think about the platform, think about who you want to talk to on the platform and then tell you content like that.
0: Exactly. I think also in terms of the industry trend, if you look back five years ago, there was a big belief or idea that we would use socials to actually sell properties. So you would put a property up, find your buyer and close a deal that way. We've absolutely experimented and tried with that and we do have a paid social media strategy for our listings, but predominantly our investment in social has been towards brand building instead of finding buyers for properties.
2: What about personal branding for agents that work at Bresig Whitney? Are you a fan of people having their personal brands within a brand or how does that work?
0: I think the celebration of individuals within real estate has become a lot more prominent in the past couple of years. Traditionally, Bresig Whitney's not invested in that area. In fact, we were very much the opposite end of the spectrum, which was how do we de-promote the agent? And have the properties do the talking and the results do the talking, which therefore would benefit the agent. I think now, though, and we're in the process of building a new website at the moment, that is much more of a consideration. And our vision for the new website is to have the personalities of our agents come out more than they do now. But when I come back to what is the actual desire and want from the consumer, do they want to see that traditional example of? A sold sticker that has a giant phone number and a giant picture of someone. Like, what does that add to the consumer experience? I have a question mark over that. But how can we interestingly and creatively tell the story about our people, which helps the consumer to connect with them? I think that's a really important part of what we want to do moving forward.
2: Yeah, as one of my favourite brands, people know is I think it's Peloton. They have the bikes and stuff like that, and I think that they do a really good job in. Their instructors are all very different. They highlight their personalities, but they're all very clearly still Peloton.
0: Yes, exactly. So it's like on brand, but splintering into a few different sub brands rather than one brand here, one brand there, and they've nothing to do with each other.
2: Yeah, they're still anchored. Where I think a few years ago in real estate, we didn't think that was possible. But, you know, it's interesting how companies outside of real estate have taught us that it, it definitely is. Definitely. Are there any other challenges you can think of when it comes to marketing in in real estate and how do you guys meet those?
0: I think when you do anything different, whether it's marketing or anything else, you have to have a level of trust between the parties that are involved. And one of our biggest challenges is either a client or an agent might have a certain preconception or expectation of something. And when we deliver something creative and different, there's a natural competition between priorities that can sometimes be hard to manage. So we're very big on making sure that clients, when they list with us and agents, when they come and work with us, are educated to understand that we employ a dedicated team of creatives for a reason. And that's because they're really skilled and really talented at what they do. So if the clients and agents can stick to what they do, we're going to have a better experience. But of course, It's a juggle and challenge to manage that because you've got very different personality sets interacting with each other on a daily basis.
2: Yeah, well, I was going to ask about that. How do the marketing and sales teams collaborate and how do you make sure that there's like smooth communication between the two parties?
0: I think you have to highlight their differences and then try and celebrate their similarities as well. Now, the commonality or the similarity is that they all want a really great outcome and they're all striving for perfection. So how do we foster that and put the differences to the side as much as possible? But that requires a role like myself to really be the intermediary between the two parts of the business. And Steve and I have a strong understanding of the real estate process and the sales process, but also strong understanding of our creative process. I'm kind of that bridge in between and I'm in daily communications with both teams to make sure that that's running as smoothly as possible.
2: Yeah. I guess finally what's one thing or one or two things that any agent could do in the next hour? Let's just say they've listened to all of this and go, right, (laughs) 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 because there's a lot that you've talked about. What's one thing I could do in the next hour to improve my marketing?
0: Well, I hope it's been helpful to people. I think the most powerful thing you can do as an agent is work out who you want your audience to be. And I say that because so many agents go out there and they're trying to be everything to everyone. And I just don't think that's realistic. You need to work out, am I aiming for a certain price point? Am I aiming for families or is it couples? What's my niche? How do I service that niche? And I think that allows you to come up with a marketing of brand strategy that's a lot more effective. I mentioned before the passive and active audience. How are you speaking to each of them in different ways? How do they want to be spoken to? How can you use data to be more effective in the way you're communicating to those people? I think agents need to sit down and it can be a really simple task on an A4 piece of paper where you just say, what's my audience? How do they want to be spoken to? And how am I going to play that role better than my competitors can? And we do that all the time with all different parts of our business. And I think constantly refining and thinking about that, it can be an hour exercise, is a great way to spend some time.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, Will, it's been really interesting. I know marketing sort of my area of interest overall and has been throughout my career. So it's really nice to talk to someone about marketing on the podcast. So thank you for coming and sharing your knowledge. If there was one thing or one piece of advice or something that you'd like people to remember as a result of listening to this, what would it be?
0: To be creative and try different things. I think looking to the side and seeing a competitor and just replicating what they do is probably not the best strategy for us as an industry moving forward. Look at the leading brands, not in real estate, but in your everyday life and think about how you can deliver experiences similar to those.
2: Yeah. Great advice. Will Goss, thank you so much. Thank you, Sam.
1: Appreciate your time. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Elevate podcast. With thanks to connectnow.com.au. Don't forget to get access to all of Elite Agent's premium resources, including a detailed episode guide for this podcast, visit joineliteagent.com.